Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Highball Politics, what America's bartenders are hearing. I'm David Kochel. And I'm Rob Stutzman. Each week, David and I are interviewing a bartender in a different U.S. city and state to find out what people there really care about when it comes to politics and culture. Why bartenders? Because bartenders have the pulse of their patrons and therefore the pulse of America, real America. In every episode, we will feature some incredible cocktail recipes, which you can find in the show notes. If you're a bartender or if you'd like to nominate your favorite bartender to be on our podcast, please email us at highballpolitics at gmail.com. Today, we're talking with Jamie Jackson, who bartends at LP Street Food and Taco Gatto, both in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And she also works at Hipster in Marion, Iowa. But before we chat with her, let's get a little bit of context on what's been going on in the news and why Iowa is important right now. I mean, that's obvious, Rob. And what's going on in the campaign? Reset Cedar Rapids for us as well. Even though we've been there before, this isn't a part of Iowa that probably many Americans really focus on. Yeah, it's the second largest city in Iowa. It's a blue city, but in a red part of the country, obviously, it's represented by a Republican, Ashley Hinson. It's really kind of got everything. You definitely have a progressive kind of urban, younger set there. But then you've got these very swingy suburbs, Marion is kind of the largest of those. There's been this big controversy there in the high school about gender identification and whether or not kids can withhold their gender preference from the parent and whether or not the teachers play a role in that. Mike Pence has spent some time uh, in the Linmar School District, you know, trying to use this issue. Uh, So it's been a little bit of a cultural hotbed for Republican politics, uh, that school district in particular has, you know, gotten some parents riled up. So it's been a pretty newsy part of the state. It is always the first or second stop for candidates as they come through. And, you know, I just think it's going to be a real bellwether. And I, and I think what's important to know is Iowa is the place where if you're going to upset Donald Trump or if you're going to slow him down on the way to the nomination, you're going to have to do well there. And 70 plus percent of Iowans are open to someone other than Trump, even though he has a substantial lead in the polls. So that's why it's so important. That's why these candidates are spending money and time there. Let's see if we can get a little update on what's going on in Jamie's places of business and and see what insights we can gain. Let's do it. Let's pull up our bar stools and bring in Jamie and get the update from Cedar Rapids. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, so let's bring on our guest, our first returning guest, Jamie Jackson, LP Street Food in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. You're also at Taco Gato in Cedar Rapids and Hipster in Marion. 
Welcome back to the podcast, Jamie. Thanks, guys. I'm so glad to be back. It's been six months, and when we first talked and started talking about Iowa, there hadn't been much political activity yet. So tell us, one, what have you been up to since we've talked? Because you've opened Taco Gata or helped open that. And then talk about is the is there a political environment now that's starting to change with the Republican primary? Yeah, underway? definitely. Um, yeah, opening a restaurant is a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into that. I've been uh, kind of a slave to the restaurants for the last six months, which has been fine because I love what I do. But there's definitely been, so where the restaurants are situated, all three are in very different places across Cedar Rapids and the metropolitan area. LP Street Food is just outside of downtown, right off the highway. There's a ton of construction happening around it. Of course, summertime construction. So it's actually been a little bit harder to get to than normal. And then Taco Gato is directly smack dab in the middle of downtown, right down the street from our big convention center. So there's always a lot of oh, things yeah. in and out of that and all sorts of different types of people that happens to be in that area right next to like a super huge hotel. So there's a lot more traffic from out of town of people staying for whatever they might be staying for, whether it's for like Collins Aerospace or whether it's for like big political events. There's been a bunch of people down there. And then Marion is a little further away, a little harder to get to. And that's mostly the hipster in Marion. Uh, most of the guests that we get there are more like local people, less people like traveling through. But we still have a very interesting and different crowd out there. Um, but there has been, obviously, as we get closer to the election, like tensions are raising. People are paying more attention to what's going on. Uh, the, the primaries coming up is really interesting. Things have been developing. So, Jamie, since you were on last time, did the fact that we were peppering you with all kinds of, you know, political questions and what your patrons think, have you been paying a little closer attention now? Like, what's that been like for you? Are you out there trying to gather a little intel so when you get invited back on, you are you feel like you're <laughs> going to bring the goods? <laughs> I mean, I'm always listening. Whether people are talking about politics or not, I'm always listening to uh, conversations that guests are having at the bar. Most of the time, they don't even notice. Uh, but, yeah, so I would say... I've been trying to listen. It hasn't been maybe as intense at LP as I thought it would be, um, but I feel like I get a lot more of that more political bent at Taco Gato, especially with people like leaving conventions or leaving meetings that have been happening um, at the Eli Energy Powerhouse and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I'm always listening to hear things. Uh, even last night when I got done with work, I sat and had a beer with some regulars and I was joined uh, by some some people that I, that were their friends that I've never met. And they all had wildly different political views and stuff. And they <laughs> had a little bit to drink and they all got a little in a little bit of an argument about gas prices last night. <laughs> like, hey, this is really interesting because I'm going to be on a podcast tomorrow. I'm glad. Perfect. So, yeah, last night, last night was a, an example. But I was not behind the bar. I was actually like a, a guest at the restaurant at that moment. So it's interesting because gas prices is one of those street inflation issues that really does drive political outcomes. So uh, fascinating that it was a conversation right there in the heart of the, the heart of the ethanol industry. Yeah. Before we pass by too quick, uh, we want to get your signature cocktail because you are a master mixologist. And so tell us what you have for us today featured at the restaurant, the new restaurant, Taco Gato. Yeah, our, at Taco Gato, uh, we pretty much have two signature cocktails, but our main one that we sell the most of is uh, going to be our house meow garita. I'm a sucker for a good. <laughs> but, uh, let's make sure we let's just make sure that no, we didn't miss that. It's not a margarita, it's a meow garita. Right, <laughs> and, 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 the smaller yeah. one, which is kitten sized, or the larger one that is a cougar sized. 
Oh, well, yeah, we know someone knows their marketing. Yeah, Cougar size for the Cougars. Yeah. <laughs> so that is just, and it is just like a classic margarita. Um, you got fresh lime juice, agave syrup, triple sec, and uh, tequila. I focus really hard on having tequilas that are Abahante and additive free. Um, so you won't see a lot of those tequilas that are super popular, that are celebrity-backed brands, because a lot of those have vanilla and glycerin and caramel coloring added to them. Uh, so no Casamigos, no Don Julio, but it's fine. Yeah, there's still something for everybody there. So we put both of our margarita and our household fashioned on tap. Um, our household fashion has Cedar Ridge Bourbon. It's a local distillery. That burnt sugar syrup that I had you guys try in that old fashioned that we had last time. And then actually a corn liqueur um, that's made with uh, heritage um, heirloom corn down from Mexico called Nixta and some um, mole bitters. Oh, mole bitters. Bitter. Cool. Yeah. Huh. Mole bitters. So what is the tequila then that you use? Or what are some of them? Yeah. Well, I showed you guys that photo of all the tequilas. I have over 120 tequilas and mezcals. Wow. Almost of them are additive fruity. And we actually have a tequila club that you can join where you get certain prizes after you taste, you know, 25, 50, 75, and 100 tequilas. At the last one, you get uh, a photo. We have all these sombreros hanging from the ceiling. You get to keep a sombrero and you get your photo up on the wall. Uh, now you don't you don't have to do that all in one sitting, right? That would oh, be no. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. There's <laughs> a, there's two sittings. Two sittings. <laughs> okay. So there's yeah. a ledger that we have that I keep track of how many people oh my goodness. No. Uh. <laughs> so so as a Californian, this is fascinating to me because because it used to be if you lived in California and you like you moved out of California, one of the first things you felt like is you were in a Mexican food desert. I can relate to that because I'm from yeah. Colorado, which also has similar. Similar. Well, exactly. Yeah. And and there is something to, I mean, at the end of the day, pure Mexican food. I'm sorry, you're, you know, the taquerias are the taquerias. But Mexican food's really kind of become something that is a lot of fusion, much like what we've done with pizzas over the years in this country, right? Uh-huh. So t- just go a little bit about the menu. So our menu is sort of defined by like a, l- a certain latitude that covers, it's going to cover like most of the southern United States, northern Mexico. And then if you keep following that same line, it's going to go all the way around to Asia. So a lot of our menu is sort of like Mexican Southern Asian fusion. We have a uh, we have like a shrimp and almost grits with like a shrimp and like cream corn based dish with uh, chorizo collard greens. But then we also have al pastor tacos, and we have like a carne asada style dish that's got um, served with Texas caviar, which is essentially like a black bean and corn succotash. Uh, so we have, and then we have our tacos are served in like bento boxes where we have like the two tacos and then a container for rice and then beans and then fried edamame with a creamy chipotle dipping sauce. So it very much is a fusion restaurant that has a bunch of different fun elements. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. A lot of people are a little confused about the menu, which is fine. Um, we want to like, basically break people's expectations and have them try something new maybe get a little bit out of their element. Um, and have some fun with the food and the drinks that we've got going on there. It's definitely something that's unique, especially for Cedar Rapids. Um, and it's really fun to be a part of something that is so different than anything else. It's not just a cookie cutter, you know, corporate Mexican place. All of the restaurants in our restaurant group, we have seven of them. They're all wildly different um, concepts and themes. And uh, they're, it's just a lot of fun. In fact, our restaurant group is called Fun Not Fancy. I kind of know that neighborhood in that area right next to the convention center there. You get concerts in there. You, I mean, it's the type of, I think there's been a Trump rally there, Rob, uh, in the past. So just all kinds of stuff. I actually saw the Beach Boys there like when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, all kinds of stuff comes through there. So I'm, I'm sure you see lots of different 
patrons coming from Iowa City, from Davenport, from all over uh, kind of eastern Iowa, I would think. Yeah. Well, and from all over the, the country and the world with having Collins Aerospace often will stay in that hotel that's right there. Unfortunately, it's right next to the train tracks, which can be unpleasant for some guests, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, there actually was a Trump. I don't know if I want to call it a rally. Trump gathering of sorts recently. And it was very strange, though. Like, it wasn't super publicized to the general public. I think it was just emailed out to his supporters because I didn't even know it was happening until the day before. And it was super. They, like, locked the doors. Like, you had to wait in line. And, like, they lo- they had everything locked. And then they locked the doors when people got inside, too. Uh, Interesting. So the was super high. I have no idea how many people even went to it. I didn't really see that much stuff around it. And then I saw a bunch of people with like buttons and flags and leaving afterward they didn't i only had two people come into the restaurant though and they just came in to use the bathroom up so oh. <laughs> i couldn't get a ton of interaction from that rally other than seeing some interesting folk walk by the two guys came in they had broke the woke buttons i think is what they said they said something that didn't make grammatical sense but i got the general idea <laughs> so the, the red hat maga people aren't into tequila which kind of surprises me yeah, I I don't know. Taco Gato is a bit of a nicer place. Like the price points are a little bit higher than like your average dive bar. Um, so maybe it was a little too expensive for some people. I'm not I'm not sure. Oh. So now we're kind of you know grooving into the politics. Like we've talked earlier, it's been six months and political activities picked up, and you're you're always listening as you say. Do you, you know the Republicans have set upon Iowa? What's it like now there living? Because you know the rest of the country isn't exposed to the campaigning like you yeah. are in Iowa and, and somewhat in New Hampshire. Is it discernible? Is it noticeable? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just in my own mailbox, I have been getting honestly no Democratic pieces of mail in terms of like candidate um, advertising, but a lot I've got I've gotten um campaign mail from both Nikki Healy and Ron DeSantis and who else it was someone that I hadn't heard their name before what is there 17 Republicans that are trying to yeah it's hard maybe 13 14 did you get okay. uh, let me ask Vivek Ramaswamy have you gotten anything from him I have not gotten anything from him no it was uh Doug Burgum yes that was yeah what I got. Yeah. yeah yeah the guy with money the billionaire. So yeah, I've gotten some mail from him, um, but I honestly have just recycled almost all of it because just, I'm not going to read the silly political it, adverts that get in my mailbox. Uh, and, but I, one, one thing we know now uh, is 40 million bucks has already been spent by these campaigns in Iowa alone. That means the TVs are just stuffed with ads as well. And I know you've got TVs, at least at LP Street Food. Um, are, are they playing? But we do have TVs on, we don't have TVs at Taco Gato, but we do have TVs at Hipster and at LP. And the only sa- the only time we play the sound for um, the TVs, otherwise we just have like music playing, is for Iowa football games. Right. So we this last Saturday, it was the Iowa-Iowa State game, which is the first like TV listening to that I personally have done in a long time. I normally just watch like Netflix or HBO Max on mm-hmm. my TV at home. So I haven't been really paying attention to those political ads because I haven't been watching. Yeah. This was the first time like hearing all the political ads again for a while. And I forgot how intense they get and like aggressive. Um, and how loud, how much louder the ads are than the football game. Than a game? <laughs> Harry, taken aback by how aggressive they were. Um, well, it, just, just 
parent parenthetically about the football game, Jamie. So because it was yeah, it was the annual Iowa Iowa State. Cotchell's hanging his head because he knows what's coming. I know. Uh, it was in Ames at Iowa State this year. I was getting. And uh, it, who won the game, Jamie? Iowa won the game. The Hawkeyes won the game. The Hawkeyes won the yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. Put, put a lick on uh, Cotchell's uh, Cyclones. Heartbreaking. Well, listen, we we had 18 freshmen playing that game. We lost our starting quarterback, our starting running back, a wide receiver, a D-back. Listen to you on the talking points. I mean, it's wow. it, 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 it's brutal. We, we had a big gambling scandal. Uh, Iowa lost two players that were kind of insignificant. Uh, but, yeah, no, we got devastated. We have the youngest, maybe the youngest team in the Big 12. So, yeah. So, I had so a, let's move along. Move I on. had Iowa in my pool. I was pretty happy. Okay, but the interesting, so this is when you saw the ads, though, because they're advertising whether it's big audiences like at the football game. So when you say aggressive, aggressive against each other or just aggressive in the way they're presenting themselves? Uh, I would say there's definitely both. I saw some more listened to. I didn't, I, I'm working, so, you know, I'm not exactly standing there watching the TV. Um, but I was listening to um, some pretty intense anti-multiple candidate ads because, you know, there's always the attack ads out there. But I would say it was split about 50-50 between like the attack ads and the just general promotional as paid for by this um, this group or whatever to mm-hmm. say all the good things and what people are, you know, the the cheerful, happy sound bites of the things that they think people want to hear. So I would say it was about split 50-50, but I don't think that people were paying nearly as much attention to the ads as they were to the game, which does make sense. We've talked about this on some of our pods. You know, the, a lot of these ads don't really move any numbers, but you know, you can tell that it certainly feels like political season. I turned on a, a local half-hour news, you know, like 10 p.m. news. It was 11 minutes of of TV ads from candidates only. It's like, if you're trying to advertise for a car dealership, you can't get on the air right now. The rates are just too high. These political ads just stuff the, the TV screen for any available time. Definitely. It's uh, it's overwhelming with political ads. It's, I think I saw maybe a couple like big brand car ads, but that was it for other, or maybe a, like Verizon ad or something like that. The people that also have the money to play. So back to the, re- the restaurants, because you work at a you know, circulating around these two different places that kind of are located differently and that they, they attract different demographics, right? And one restaurant in the Burbs, one downtown, one kind of out by the highway. What do you feel palpably different amongst those clientels when it kind of when it's coming right now to politics or or even cultural issues? So if you start outside of downtown in Cedar Rapids, Marion is. Even though it's just a few miles away, the clientele out there is so wildly different. Um, They tend to be a lot older and a lot more conservative. Um, There is quite a bit of money in the town of Marion, although I feel like sometimes they're also a lot stingier. Um, They, they, the like surrounding square mile around that neighborhood of like downtown Marion where the hipster, the restaurant is, is like the highest income neighborhood in like the, like five mile radius, basically. Uh, but I noticed that people there are the ones that complain about prices the most and also are going to be like a little bit more cautious or stingy with their money. And I'm not sure if that's just like the clientele that we're pulling. It is a pretty nice and fun restaurant, but that is just something that I've noticed compared to working into the other places where people just don't seem to care about those things as much and they'll get whatever they want, regardless of what it costs. And the tips, I don't like I don't make as much money in tips when I'm working a bartending shift out in Marion as I do in Cedar Rapids. 
which I, I couldn't exactly tell you why. Is that kind of an age thing in the industry though? I mean, I can't even remember being a, a, in college and my grandparents taking me out and being mortified at the 5% tip they left and I put a couple dollars more down. It, 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 is that, is that it, now that's like a generation ago. It can be the case. It can also be the opposite sometimes. It depends. You know, you always try to, I do often like work for tips. So I try to give everybody great service, be really kind, create a really fun experience. And some people love it. Some people, they don't seem to care as much. Um, but it, it's always disappointing when you feel like you've done your best to like give somebody a really amazing time and then they tip you 10%. Like, what did I do wrong? <laughs> but you didn't realize that that's, you know, not really the standard and the norm anymore. But what well, one, one theory would be that the people that you're drawing downtown are a lot of times on an expense account. And when yeah. you're in the neighborhood in Marion, they're on their own budget for sure, because it's definitely yeah. more of a neighborhood clientele. But also, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of, you know, the suburban families, maybe things are tighter right now. And maybe that's a reflection of, of some of that. That's, um, I've, I've been in, in Hipster. It's a great, it's a great spot. And that's an interesting demographic in there because you've got a lot of definitely more conservative voters than you have living downtown, but they're not socially conservative. They're definitely more fiscally conservative. And so these, this is the demographic that the, the Republican congresswoman who lives in Marion, actually Ashley Hinson, um, you know, she kind of counts on those votes and they're very swingy. They go for Democrats sometimes and they go for Republicans sometimes. And it's a, you know, it's a part of the state that is going to matter a lot. It's a you know, place where if a Republican can win in a place like Marion, they're going to be pretty strong statewide. So I agree. You know, I feel like the people in Iowa, we've gotten so used to being in a place where we are highly catered to by politicians, where, you know, we are one of the first states that um, has results that kind of sets the tone for a lot of the rest of the country. And well, now it might matter a little bit less. Um, but I feel like we're used to this position of being catered to by politicians, getting a lot of attention and a lot of love. So they're like, they need, they really need to earn my vote. I'm not going to let anyone else tell me what to do. Um, it's kind of the vibe that I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of Iowans that are involved in politics and really like to um, participate in these early sort of primaries and polls, um, how a lot of them feel. So so to this point, could, and you mentioned it earlier when you said that there was mail in your mailbox, but nothing from Democrats. And of course, the reason for that is there's no early Democrat caucus this year. Are you getting any sense from patrons or friends that are Democrats that they're kind of missing that, hey, how come the Republicans are getting you know, their candidates talking to them and, you know, wh wh where's where's Joe or anyone else talking to us? Yeah, I, you know, I, I do feel like there is some some folks out here that are feeling a little like we've been sort of left behind and forgotten. And it's, it's, for, I'm certain for liberals, it is concerning because it's like, you know, you could, there could be more movement and more action in this state. And it just kind of feels like we've, Iowa's been given up on it. And it's just, oh, it's just another one of the conservative states in the Midwest sort of thing, which is like not exactly the case. There's a lot of different types of people. Um, we have, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of variety and a lot of um, diversity going on over here. And I feel like there is more of a chance for more bipartisan action and stuff like that. But it does definitely feel like Iowa has been sort of just like snubbed or ignored, um, which can be down like disheartening for um, a lot of people who obviously are used to the opposite. So Without the Democrat caucus, part of the theory amongst Republican strategists is that Democrats who are used to caucusing and don't have anything else, they can't go to their own caucus on caucus night, may go to Republican caucuses. 
and could potentially affect outcomes. Now, is that a no? Because I'm curious, and I don't know, I don't know if we've talked last time if you caucus in the past as Republican or Democrat, but the fact that you're getting mail from Republicans means they they're after you to try ID you to be up to be come show up as at, uh, for them at the Republican caucus. Are, do, you, do your Democrat friends feel like maybe they're getting pulled in a little bit to this? I haven't talked to anybody specifically about like this exact issue. I've just read some articles and some stuff, so I guess I don't have like the best perspective on how accurate that may or may not be. I do think that the people that are interested in like staying abreast in the political sphere, especially in Iowa, are going to try to be involved no matter what, whether there's the Democrat, like obviously the Democratic caucus won't happen here. So there probably will be people that go to this caucus and are, you know, um, influencing things. Uh, it probably won't be me because I'll probably be working. Um, <laughs> but I'll definitely be paying attention to what's uh, what's going on uh, and uh, listening to people because I'm sure on those nights there will be people talking about it and uh, trying to figure out what's happening here because it is it does feel it's just a different climate than previous elections. Yeah. Having worked caucuses since the 80s, which dates me, I know, uh, it, we've seen a little bit of crossover uh, in the past, um, not a lot, and particularly in kind of a time when you've got, you know, a pretty intense election underway where it looks like we're headed towards a Trump-Biden redo. But what we've seen mostly is independents choosing which one to go to. The lot of independents went into the caucus in 2008 when it was Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. It's the last time that there were more Democrats registered in Iowa than Republicans, and it was because those independents went to the Democratic caucus and had to register there. I do think we're going to see some crossover. It may not be from Democrats. It might be from independents who really care about this. And that could be a, a little bit of bad news for Trump because I think yeah. the independents in Iowa... Uh, probably would be trying to do it to stop him. I have noticed there's a couple of articles right now, uh, guys, about uh, a little bit of panic inside the Trump campaign about the Iowa operation, which they don't feel is kind of up to snuff for the way it should be for the for the former president. Now, his poll numbers are still great, but I think there is some worry that maybe he doesn't have the best campaign. So you know, I don't, I don't know if you hear any chatter about any of the campaigns and who's reached out to people, but I know that there's some worry inside the Trump campaign right now. I don't know if you saw the image from the Iowa-Iowa State game that Donald Trump attended of him getting actively whipped uh, off. I, I did thought see he might have been one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now my seats were on the 50-yard line. He was down in a box on about the 20-yard line, so I wasn't able to uh, get in that camera shot at all. My humble brag. <laughs> Was a, that was a funny image to look at. So, hey, one more question on, just on the candidates. Anybody talking about Nikki Haley right now? She seemed to have a really good debate performance, and I've seen some internal polling that shows Nikki Haley kind of on the move in Iowa and around the country. I know she's in second place at the new poll in South Carolina, but has anybody bring her up at all? I specifically heard a couple guests talking about a little bit and it was mainly in um in relation to uh that reporter who essentially got fired because of his claims about her being pastor prime uh uh-huh. interesting yeah on Levin. yeah Levin. so i specifically heard a conversation about that that's the only one that i can actively remember hearing um i do 
I mean, just as a fellow woman, I was very offended to hear him say that about a woman like being past her prime when when she's 50, when there's so many people in their 70s and almost 80s um, in our political scene. And it's been really sort of a relief as a younger person to feel like there's more. I mean, even though I might my beliefs might, might not exactly line up to have younger people that are somewhat closer to my age running for office instead of just people that are so far beyond like anything that would possibly represent me so honestly it's a relief to have younger people at least trying to be more involved in the political process especially well and if you and if you saw that debate vivek ramaswamy privately knows that uh, will admit that nikki haley is not past her prime as i think she handed <laughs> his head to him on the issues of foreign policy all right Let's transition to our fun part. So, Jamie, when we first kind of put together the concept for this pod, and you were our first guest, and you were the perfect vision of everything we ever imagined for a first guest, set the bar amazingly high. But one thing we wanted to do was have these fun kind of fictional cocktails, or they could be real cocktails, they've been both over the last several months, that are named after a politician. You blew our doors up last time. Was so freaking funny with these cocktail recipes. So now the bar is high. There's a lot of pressure on this, but we're confident in you. What do you have for us today? As we've asked you to present to us a Nikki Haley and a Ron DeSantis cocktail. I sat down and I worked on these for a little while. Um, I when I do something like this, I try to like research into that candidate and try to find some weird interesting things that they either weird things that they've done or said to because you know to play on the humor of it because as perfect and as you know great as these candidates try to paint themselves to be everybody is human and does weird stuff and uh so for Ron DeSantis I was trying to find something interesting and I did find something that I, I was going to try to make a cocktail with um but then I ended up going in a different direction However, I found an article that he apparently eats like a monster uh, and that he eats like in the middle of meetings in front of people, makes a huge mess, and that there was one plane ride he was on where he ate chocolate pudding by scooping out with three fingers of his hand and just scooped the whole cup of pudding. <laughs> yeah, pudding so fingers. Yeah. I thought about doing a pudding cocktail, but then I was thinking more about it and more about the Florida man thing because there's so many different directions you can go with florida man but one of the quintessential florida cocktails uh is called the miami vice and that's a blend it's a blended cocktail super sweet and sugary um but it's oh kacha loves it i love it already rum pineapple coconut cream and lime half of that in like one of those like swoopy hurricane glasses and then the other half it's blend it like swirled in with uh with a strawberry daiquiri so rum lime sugar and strawberry um all blended together and then to truly make it like as patriotic as possible we're gonna float some blue curacao on top um and have a little um red white and blue cocktail umbrella to really you know be like ah candidate election yeah decided. yeah i could down one of those right now yeah absolutely yeah yeah and then, you know, miami, miami vice yeah, Miami Vice, it's, it looks very appealing and it sounds like it'll be a fun time, but they're often super sweet. They often leave you with like a sugar-induced headache and gut rot after a while. So, you know. <laughs> and, um, and with diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for Nikki Haley, um, when I was doing research on her, I couldn't really find any interesting fun facts about food or drink that she really likes. Um, however, after all that stuff with Don Lemon came out, she part of her marketing, she came out with this koozie. It's, I thought it was really funny. And on one side, it says, pass my prime, hold my beer on the other side, which I thought was <laughs> uh, 
So for Nikki Haley, I've come up with this sort of like built in the can kind of spicy michelada, like Mexican ashtray style thing. So you get like a nice can of it's better be American light beer. Obviously, we're in America. Uh, we're running for the presidential campaign and probably not Bud Light, though. No, can't be Bud Light. Not for the Republican Party. No, 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 no. <laughs> so you'll roll your koozie down a little bit to not get it messy. Um, and then you'll roll the top of the can in some lime um, before you open it. And then cover the whole top in either tahini. I'm not a big tahini person. It's very popular. but Or like I make a jalapeno salt at Taco Gato that's got dehydrated jalapenos, um, like flaky uh, Malden salt and some uh, fresh cracked pepper in there. It's so good. So a little spicy because she's had to get spicy with these men. Um, that she's competing against. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then fill some. So crack open the beer, shove a lime in there, fill the whole top of the can with uh, with some hot sauce, and you've got yourself a little spicy michelada um, that's definitely not past its prime. It's very good. I love it. That's yeah. not past you, its prime. You, you actually, do you make those at Taco Gato? Yeah, we can. Yeah. I know what I'm getting when I come in. Yeah, absolutely. So that was my cocktails. Perhaps not as like you know completely designed as as the first two. I, I had a little bit more time for those ones, but no, I, you uh, did. These are great. They're on point as cool. always. Just for a second, let's go back to DeSantis. We asked you about Nikki Haley. People talking about her. You you had a conversation going on about the moment with Don Lamont. Anybody talking about Ron DeSantis? I know you have one patron in particular who's a friend of mine who is. Uh, very involved with DeSantis. Uh, what do you see happening there? Anything you can report back to us? There's been a lot of like women concerned about a lot of the, um, like anti-abortion stuff. And I've heard people um, kind of in distress about like having rights taken away if someone like him was right. to get the election. So I've heard a lot of negative stuff about him. I haven't really heard that much positive things from my guests, to be honest with you. But that's just, you know, having a variety of people with a variety of different um beliefs and uh, feelings and stances. So I honestly haven't heard good things about him, um, but it hasn't really been truly much in general for him being like, you know, second in polling. I feel like mainly when I hear about him, it's more like poking fun at him or it's really nothing positive. So he's catering to a very different base than the people that you are, that you are seeing yeah. coming in out of your restaurant. He is, uh, he's pushing real hard in Northwest Iowa, uh, you know, evangelical community in Northwest Iowa and all of that. So, yeah, so you're you're just not going to run across that in, uh, you know, the downtown bars and Cedar Rapids or at Hipster. Yeah, more rural places might get a lot more of that action than what I'm seeing. I'm really not seeing much of that. Although what you're reflecting back is a lot of what the Trump super PAC and campaign has invested in, in defining DeSantis. Yeah. 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 So that's penetrating, no doubt. Yeah. So it's been, I mean, but it's been an interesting season for sure. I mean, it's always tensions get higher. Even last night when I was hanging out with those uh, gentlemen, when the conversation turned to politics, there were two that are particularly liberal, liberal and this one very strange man who um, is was like the big MAGA hat wearing man of the group. Um, he's also a snowbird who talks about wanting to move to Florida every single time he's with them. So they're like, why don't you just move down there already? But they all- <laughs> They're ready you know, to drive them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But this man was I don't I don't know if this man in particular has ever had like a civil conversation with somebody who didn't share his same beliefs. But he didn't. Uh, he and I had never really talked before. Um, and he started off from a place like respecting me pretty much because I was talking. We were talking about homeowner things and pouring concrete and sort of things like that. So as soon as he found out that I didn't share a lot of the beliefs that he did, he was kind of flabbergasted and didn't really know how to talk to me anymore. And I obviously wasn't rude to him or anything else but i don't i think a lot of those people like there's 
surround themselves so often only with other people that they agree with or they'll be on internet and you know it can be a sounding board of the same the same feelings and you kind of get wrapped in and you don't interact with other people that you could gain different perspectives from um so he was pretty like like i said flabbergasted by talking to me and i you know we had like a good conversation but he just didn't know how to even talk to me anymore it was yeah uh, it it seems like this increasingly the direction we're headed yeah there's not how to listen yeah no well listen jamie uh Thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to probably want to come back to you one more time before the caucuses, if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Can we do that? So keep your ears open. You know, listen to what's going on. Hopefully you'll be able to get one of those candidates in there for an event because, you know, we know that, uh, you know, some a few of them have some money to spend. Not all of them. So we'll do. I will take money from anybody. But always appreciate hearing from you and hearing about your patrons. And, and I can't wait to get over to Cedar Rapids and get into Taco Gato and and try all the great things you've put together. The Meow Gorita. Yes, meow indeed. Real good. You guys can come try them. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for joining us, Jamie. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jamie. You're the best. Well, Kachel, it's a that's a landmark for us to have a guest back we now have repeat guests on this podcast you know it's always great to hear about what's going on in iowa but particularly that part of iowa uh, cedar rapids there in the east that we don't necessarily talk about a lot any insights takeaways yeah a couple things first of all i I do think that there is a kind of general disappointment among democrats that there isn't something going on in iowa right now and 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 they they feel like a defeated party in iowa i know there's some news out about you know they're trying to get the dnc to come in and help support uh, their candidates more this year. So it's, it's like all the actions on the Republican side. And even though, you know, in a couple of Jamie's restaurants, you know, you're not seeing a, there's no MAGA crowd hanging around, but you know, the fact that, you know, the TV ads are on and the sound was up during the Iowa, Iowa state game. And it was chock full of, of kind of aggressive, loud ads. I mean, she's picking up on what most people in Iowa are picking up, which is it's very aggressive there. The national campaign feels like it's a Trump runaway. That's not the case in Iowa. A lot of people still open-minded, and she kind of reflected that back to us. Uh, also kind of interesting, you know, that they, you know, there's a conversation happening about gas prices, which means there are still real issues people are are concerned about and talking about. So I, I think that's, that's kind of my big takeaway. I, I found the gas price conversation very, very interesting. In fact, maybe we should have gone a little deeper into that. But the fact that that's what people are going to sit around and debate tells you something, and none of that's good news for Biden. None of it. No, because they, they connect his policies to the, the rising gas prices, and you can make a pretty good case for it. In fact, a couple of the folks on the debate stage you know, some weeks ago made that case, and I think uh, it's kind of what continues to hold Biden down. All right, next debate's in a couple of weeks. We look forward to that, but we plan to be back with you all before that with another guest. So, Cotchell, I think we're uh, a wrap for the week. Yeah. Sounds good, Rob. Join us next week as we pull up a bar stool somewhere else in this great country to discuss politics and culture with a bartender, the person with the eyes and the ears that knows all. Until then, Kotzel, cheers. Cheers, Rob. Highball Politics is a podcast presentation of Highball Media. Executive producers are David Kotzel and me, Rob Stetsman. Our producer is Miranda Perrin. Please send your bartender nominations and any questions to highballpolitics at gmail.com. 
and find us on social media. We're at Eyeball Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you were brave enough to make this week's signature cocktail, please remember to tag your picks of this week's with the hashtag Highball Podcast. And if you want to support our show, please subscribe to Highball Politics wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. And please share this episode with your friends. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>